Now, guys, please understand this is a prayer and a thanks to the ancestors and God and mm. Jesus mm. acknowledging the gifts and the things they made in my life happen. Mm. Wow. I cannot deny them mm. by continuing to say, Kunzim. Hey. No, yes. let other people please say Please elaborate that because we do that so much as mm-hmm. black people. No. Even if you're doing it, it's like, ah, yes, I'm a boy. Because I'm going to That's generally why we do it. We say we're struggling. Hello, what many ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to a special, and I mean a special edition of Podcast and Chill. I think our next guest is probably the most high-profile guest we've ever had on the show. Yes, probably the most decorated as well we've ever had on the show. Please welcome Dr. John Kane. The legendary, <laughs> legendary. But you said you want to be, you don't want to be called legendary. You said you want to be called an elder. An elder. What's that, Bormis? I'm what in the house. What, what a guan. What's going on? <laughs> I'm in the house, homies. <laughs> the last time I saw you was on my uh, TV screen mm-hmm. uh, when you're doing the KFC ad with uh, Zex Bandwini. Oh, yeah. KFC ad. Yeah. I'm going to. No, uh, what Zex did, he just asked me yeah. that I could you do the intro for yeah. me in this. I yeah. said, fine. Yeah. I don't sing, by the way. Yeah. I don't do things I'm not good at. Yeah. He mm. said, no, 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 Dada, I just want you to talk to me. So I get the script and I agreed. And I had a great time with that young man. His mind is right on track and he sees his journey now. Yeah. So he knows where he's going. Because yeah. there's nothing like trying to wonder as a young person, trying to find various avenues, what can work for you. Yeah. And they're all not going to work anyway. Yeah. So stick to one <laughs> and make that one work. So I felt that Zeke's Bantwini was very focused and he was clear about his music, his journey, and what he wants to achieve. Yeah. So, all right, I'll do it for you. No, I love this one, even his wife. Like, great. Ah, They've nice. both been on the show, great mm. human beings. They, mm. Absolutely. Mm. And when I watched that video, uh, when he did the opening scene, I had shivers down my spine. It was like, yo, this is beautiful. I got a lot of people that say, how come you agreed? I said, you've never asked me. Nah. Stop yes. saying how come you agreed, but we always assumed you will say no. I said, that's the biggest problem in this country. A film director wants to use John Carney, and everybody says, oh no, he'll never get him, he's too busy. Oh no, you can never afford him. No, he's too, too expensive. I do do sometimes things that I believe they're important. Mm. And I do things that I would help the younger generation. They need a lift mm. from an experienced elder like me. So I'll do that because I too was given a lift by others ahead of me. Yeah. I didn't do it alone. Somebody gave me a hand and I moved up. Let's start in 1943. You born in PE. <laughs> what was it like during that time? Can you just describe like what was going on at that time? Look, it was just towards the middle of the war. Every elderly was taken up to go and train and maybe to support the war against the Germans. And you grow up and mostly at home is your mom and the grandparents. I didn't know what was going on in 1943. I had the best of time. <laughs> My mom was six or five foot, about 10 inches, five foot, eight inches. And she had a 58 double D cup. Yeah, yeah. She Whoa. was full breasted man. She would hold me like into that breast and I would suckle my life away. That's so that type, was eh? That's type. Yeah, I'll, I'll suckle my life away every day. Every day, man. And that was my 1943. Mm. It's then you grow up and then it's 1950. 
this, it's time to go to school. And suddenly you realize, why am I turning left? Mm. And the others are going on the other side. Mm. And why am I surrounded in living in New Brighton Township? And yet Saturdays now we have to go to town for shopping. Why is my place called Township? And on the other side of the street is called Town. Mm. And why do I see only black people around me? And when I go to town, it's only white people. Why does my father make sure that we stop drinking water on Friday at 10? Because we're going to go shopping in town on Saturday. And I found out as I grew Why up. Why is that? That's very There were no toilet facilities for black people in the cities. So you had to Whoa. stop drinking water on Friday? Friday. Because I thought I was, you're not going with him. Because oh. you're going to be sitting there and say, Tata. And my father was six foot eight inches tall. I need Tata, to I want to wee. Oh. He said, I told you. And one day I was right in the main street of Kaibeja, which is Port Elizabeth, and in front of a huge OK store. And there were lots of people walking around. And I said to my dad, I want wee wee. He said, make a rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> and I took it out and I made a rainbow <laughs> onto the pavement. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> and everybody stopped and this guy says, how, Baba, how can you do this? He says, tell him to hold it. <laughs> <laughs> Is it true? I read somewhere that uh, your dad was a policeman, right? Yes. And then he actually got arrested or fired because he arrested two white people. Yes, they all recruited to the war. Mm. Whether they made it to North Africa, some of them didn't, my father did. As they came back, because they fought for freedom mm. of the world. So the apartheid government were met, wanted to make sure that all those black people who were in the war worked somehow within government structures. Ah. So my father was immediately recruited into the police force and one day he was doing a bit somewhere in South End in, in Port Elizabeth and saw those two young white guys breaking at the back of a jewelry store. Now the process or procedure should be he should ask them to wait while he's going to find a phone, mm. no cell phones, to call the police on a white van, you know, to come and arrest these two guys. Wow. He wasn't very sober, my dad. Yeah, 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 yeah. He decided to put out his bait and stick and then push them and mm. handcuff them. Now, between that area and the Bakkensbridge police station, there's a terminus for black people. Mm. So my father did do a show of pushing these white boys. <laughs> terminus. <laughs> and then arrived there and they had to be released because it was declared a wrongful arrest. It was illegal. It was illegal. It was a wrongful arrest. And about three months later, then my father was retired for reasons of health. Hmm. He worked for 34 years at a different place after hmm. being released and retired for, for health, reasons. Health, health reasons. He still worked for 34 years up until 1983. Mm. That was about 1952, 54. Mm. That's crazy. So what does that do to you growing up? Because here's your dad. He's a policeman doing his job, but his job is now illegal because of skin color. When you're young, those things don't matter. You're just growing up. And I got friends, man, in the neighborhood. We're playing dice with doing this, others are smoking this. I don't smoke, I don't drink. And one day I was sitting with my friends having fun next to the hedge in a windy day and the brothers were smoking ganja. Mm. I mean, dacha. Mm, mm. So we used to call it, it doesn't have a bridge. So if you smoke and you give it to me, I've got to take it to you. 
it can't go that way. Oh, okay. Right. So I'm standing there, and my the, my, the dude next to me is going, ah, hey, John, pass it over. I'm taking it to give it to you, and my uncle standing in front of me. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I have seen it with my own eyes, <laughs> and I'm going to tell Ubuti. So now I go home, my father's waiting with a huge belt. You smoke Dacha. And my uncle says, I saw him. I said, no, dad, there's no bridge. I was taking it from this guy, giving the guy on the other side. My mom came to my rescue. He yeah. said, no, I know John doesn't smoke. I do his washing. I've never found a stub or anything. He doesn't smoke. <laughs> so my mom saved me from a whipping with that belt. Wow. So they used to whip you. What are you talking about? Sp- spare the rod, spoil the child. Mm. We didn't even have a phone. Who are you going to call? Mm. Are you going to call the social workers? Which one? Mm. Doesn't exist. What would he use to hit you, your parents? What would they use? Oh, my dad would use a belt. Sure. Yeah. My mom used the dishwashing cloth, which is splintered at the end. And when it's wet. And it's wet. <laughs> and as you make the ten, you don't even notice it. And she says, stop it. And you go, shut up. <laughs> I know that one. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, we knew we messed up. Mm-hmm. No, you knew you messed up and you would expect to be spoken to. Yeah. But they didn't whip every day. You know, they did this talk to the child, talk to the child. Why are you talking to me? I'm not listening. I won't move. <laughs> so I don't know what children today do because my sons have children and they talk about you must talk to the child, you must engage the child, mm. you must be, I mean, uh, explaining these things, allow them to make up their minds. There, there, there's assault and punishment. We were not assaulted by our parents. Uh, we were punished. Yeah. And the punish was meted like within one or two one or two little chip, chip, stop it. You know, sometimes I walk through the mall and I see this little brat screaming her lungs out and the mom says, stop it, Spew. Stop it, Spew. And I'm thinking, go back to my time. <laughs> <laughs> would you shut think, up now. But don't you think that shaped you to become who you are? Absolutely, absolutely. We knew the discipline, which when we uh, at primary school, the teachers took over and suddenly principals and you knew if you're called to the principal's office, you're going up with a note to your parents and you have to deliver the note that said you didn't do A, B, C and D. Mm. And you know that this note I'm given is trouble, but <laughs> you have to deliver the note to your parents. Yeah. And my father would say, read it. <laughs> <laughs> And you think, oh my Lord, I am finding myself guilty <laughs> because I'm reading it. And then he says, what do you want me to do? If you were me, what would you want me to do? Yeah. Get my belt. Let me tell you, my son, this is going to hurt me more. Mm. Danny go hurt you. I says, you're talking nonsense. It's going to hurt me alone. <laughs> Oh, wow. But those were the, the great days. And yeah. to mix that, mm. then there was also the apartheid situation. Mm. Mm. The township, the police, the raids, the, the past laws and all that. So we got in Port Elizabeth, especially where I come from, yeah. we got sort of politically conscientized at a very early age. We were experts in throwing a stone mm. at the passing van. 
with a curve and he hits the window with the white man driving and we all sit there as if we're singing hymns and we chat with children mm. and we used to love to do that wow. so those were the apart from the school days and the township mm. but we also had to deal with the apartheid sort of mm-hmm. managing the lives of black people in the in the township pass laws and we had a um what was called a pass book mm. which our fathers called a dom book mm. <laughs> you know where you could dictate where you could be influx control wow. uh, it was very introduced nicely mm. this pass book is going to make sure that all the jobs that black people can have in the white city of port elizabeth are only restricted to the people who were born in port elizabeth wow. so that other black people who come from other, other towns mm. cannot take the jobs that were meant for you people so this passbook is going to make sure that you people are looked well after and also if you get lost this passbook will state in there that you stay at 51 Jekisa Road New Brighton so you could be in Port Elizabeth it didn't say that if you don't have the book on demand you go to jail oh. it didn't say that if my girlfriend visits me from Cape Town she gets to jail and i get to jail because we broken the the 72 hour visit uh, permit sure. it didn't say that i can't get this job in another town because i'm supposed only to work in port elizabeth <laughs> it didn't say that i has to uh, couldn't eat in any restaurant the certain jobs i can't do it limits my pay because there was a wage loss wages act that says if i started act i mean working in 1965 sure at a ford motor company yeah yes yes uh, assembling yes, yes. engines Mm-mm. when my car stalls i don't open the bonnet and fix my belt yes i fix the engine hey hey now <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen that no, no, the no, car no. stalls man and We the dude opens <laughs> yeah no no the dude opens the bonnet and he fixes his belt <laughs> You fix the fan belt. I go to the fan belt. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. So uh, we do the same job. It's an assembly line. Nivold was white. We'll get about let's say 750 rand a week. And then the colored guy will get about 150 rand a week. I'm on 22 rand a week. that's structured by the law mm. i can't earn more than a colored i can't earn more than a white mm. so when i went in the 60s and 70s into acting it became a like a revolutionary Yay. yeah because suddenly, mm. suddenly now i can earn what i want to earn mm. and i would be um paid what i am negotiating i did though believe that at a certain stage my salary as an actor became the most kept secret because some of the white actors would not be happy knowing that i'm any more than them mm, mm. and would you say your love for the arts um correct me if i'm wrong but i think it started when you were um at the serpent players drama group right yes in port elizabeth yeah 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 what was going on there you know we with new brighton man in the eastern cape once a year gibson kente comes with scarlo i believe man and the whole township gets so excited you know because it's music it's dance and it's also pretty girls on stage who are much older than us i don't know why we got a crush on old mama <laughs> but uh, they're beautiful men and they're from jobe wow. they're from jobe yeah. you dream about going to jobe yeah. 
The streets are like, I mean, are paved in gold. Mm. Everything is there. There are opportunities until I walked Park Station. <laughs> I realized there's nothing like golden streets here. This place is they horrible. They sold us a dream. There's nothing. Everybody's hustling and struggling and dying and, and lying and trying to make it nothing. But then, you see, when you're young, you know, you see the end of the rainbow, there's a pot of gold. Mm. They're even, not even a rainbow. It's just light reflection. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, and uh, I always wanted to, um, as a storyteller. Yeah. My grandfather had three wives and could not spell polygamy. Hmm. And nothing to do with him. He's got three wives. What's your problem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how many kids? How many kids do you have? Oh, over 20. Yeah. Whenever there was um sabines, you know, the coarser people. Yeah. The neighbors would complain because the cannies are more than the everybody who attend this thing. They're going to feed themselves. We're just going there to, to make the work successful. Ah, love and love. They eat this gomong gokwabo, man. It's a waste of time, man. They just want to mean that there were people who saw Lum Sebin's Uyensi. And they'd complain, you know. So my father would say, well, let's make the candy smaller so that the people can get mm. as well. So the, the, those were the, 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 the kinds of exciting times in my life, yeah. you know, because my father was a traditionalist a very conservative traditionalist. Mm. I had to, when I went 1970, I said to him, I want to be an actor. Because mm. he wanted to, me to be a lawyer and I wanted to be a um, human rights lawyer. Mm. How can you be a human rights lawyer under apartheid? Are you stupid? Mm. Mm. You're going to be arrested the day you open your mouth. Yeah. Talk about human rights under apartheid. Must have been that ganja you were smoking. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> He's not. He's not. <laughs> I told you I didn't smoke. I don't smoke either. So, and then I hear about this group called the Serpent Players. And at that stage, you know, the ANC underground is recruiting us to leave the country. And we're so excited. We're going to go to exile. We're going to go to Zambia. We're going to go to Tanzania. We are going to go to uh, the Nigeria and be trained, you know. We're going to do exercises and practicals in Vietnam. I'm going to come back with an AK-47. I'm going to kill all them white people. Mm. Man, I've been dying to do so. And suddenly, I couldn't make it because... Everybody who was involved in recruiting was arrested. Oof. And that was also with the Rivonia trial. Mandela and the Sisulu, Mbeki, and all of them sentenced to life. Did you ever meet Mandela? Yes. Wow. Sentenced to life. So that's like a give up time in the black community. Yes. Yeah. Our leaders are gone, or tumbles, and the others are overseas. It was like, hey, guys. We lost this big one. Yeah. But there were some people saying, not yet. Mm. We lost the battle. We haven't lost the war. Mm. We, we, they can win a hundred times and we can only win once yes. and it's over. Yes. Mm. My God. Now I think about those things. We was crazy, you know that? <laughs> and so I then, with the serpent players, and I check out this group. Yeah. They were doing very serious stuff, mm. doing plays to assist students to understand set works. And they were working with this white dude called Arthur Fugger, yes, that's what who you was a it. member. Yeah. Please don't make a mistake. He didn't own the group. He was not the director. He was a member of the group. Okay. Uh, PE was too advanced to have someone to be to belonging to some group that's owned by somebody. Sure. And these dudes, they're all brothers of mine. They were older than us with Winston John. Mm. And they were doing this excuse me place in in Antigone, Euripides, and waiting for Godot, not Godot. And I'm thinking, what are we doing here? Yeah. 
Why aren't we talking to the people through the arts? Wow. Why aren't we using the stage to, to keep that flame of freedom burning? And you don't want to sing this. Winston and I are talking about the, 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 the brothers of opera so-and-so said, no, the gentleman nonsense, Magmelitis. Yeah. This is drama. Mm. We're doing it for the love of it. And we say, we got to be paid. So who's paying who? So no, no, Muniwar in Melitis. This thing is us. So 1972, we, we step out. We say, now we got to move this thing. Mm. So we create a play called Sizwe Banzi is Dead. Mm. Yeah. And now we got this thing, mm. Winston and I. Yeah. We put it in a very private hall. And then white people walk out. Because yeah. they said this was not drama. It was a political meeting. Oh, wow. And suddenly the police took interest in our work. And didn't you get arrested? Yeah, yeah. Detained many times. You know when the cells of the door, the door of the cell closed? Mm. Your great escape with Steve McQueen filters out of your head. You ain't getting out of that door. Mm. It's six inches thick. And it goes... That's it. Take your shoes off and sleep until they open. And aren't you like, you know what? No more arts. I don't want to get arrested. What is all of this? I'm not even getting paid. If you live in the 60s and the 70s, if you're not arrested, there's something wrong with you. Uh, We're beginning to suspect you. <laughs> Why are you with us? Why are you doing all this shit with us and you ain't get in there? Snitch. Snitch. <laughs> so we all wanted to do anything that gets me arrested so that I could be accepted. You know, It's like getting a strike. Yes, yes, and yes. all of us wanted to go to the University of the Struggle, Robin I. Yes. We wish we could be arrested. Yeah. The, but the point is that suddenly the police got interested and we were struggling to perform in this hall and we moved. We went to Cape Town. We mm. performed at the space for, for two nights and the cops came. But that night there was a guy from England. Sure who was the artistic director of the Royal Court Theatre, who just was in South Africa, and someone said, you've got to see this thing. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. These young people are doing this place. Cesar Banzai is dead, mm. and it's politically powerful. Three months later, we get a call. They want us to come to London. Whoa! Wow. To come and do this. Because that guy went back and he said, I have been 30 years in the, the arts. Mm. I've been mm. directing. I've never seen life being presented on stage and that demanded my engaging immediately and wanted me to answer questions. We arrived in London. Oh, first we didn't get the passports. Mm. <laughs> Problem. Mm. Arthur gets the passport for about six weeks. Winston gets a passport another six weeks later and it's getting late. Mm. I don't get a passport because mm -hmm. my elder my elder uncle was already on Robben Island yeah. and I had been arrested and detained quite a couple of times my younger brother who's a poet unfortunately was also killed by the police in 1985 or they were what we called the poets of the struggle okay. mm. so I knew I wasn't going to get a passport because yeah. my name was on the political list mm. But suddenly I get a call that, okay, you can get your passport. Mm. The passport arrives, and then the South African passport was green. This thing they gave me is brown. Mm. Outside is the written travel document. So I'm thinking, this is a bit of a problem, because I've seen Winston's passport. I've seen Arthur Fugger's white passport. I open it, nationality undetermined. Even. Hey. I had to apply 
through the C-Sky or Trans-Sky homeland to get that citizenship, only then will I be given a South African passport. That is wild. I said, I will never apply to be a citizen of a piece of land inside the country I own. Mm. Yeah. So that was my rejection of the Bantu stance. Mm. In fact, in Sizwebanzi, we use a very, very, very strong word. We ask that this whole independence of Siska and Transkai is shit. <laughs> but in this course, simply put, in this course. So now, Matanzima wasn't very pleased with this. Yeah. So we got arrested. Yeah. But let's first go to London. We open in London. Yes. Wow. First time in London. Hey, when mm. you walk in the streets of a free world, man, you walk like this. Uh. You're looking at buildings. They're just a mukhu, man. Anybody can see this is a for this is a just arrived. <laughs> you know, and suddenly one night at the end of the seventh performance, we are told, very hush hush, there are some people who would like to talk to you. Mm. They are waiting for you in that restaurant. Right now. Now. So Winston and I think, okay, let's go. And then someone stands up and says, this is O.R. Tambo. Wow. This is Adelaide Tambo. This is Robert Hesha. This is Dingy Soil. This is so-and-so. And I'm thinking, I'm meeting the future government of my country, wow. even though they are nothing at the moment. Mm. And in that presence, and the old man said, you know what, John and Winston, in this play, you have explained what we've been trying to tell the outside world about the evils of an inhumane system called apartheid. You did it in 90 minutes on stage and everybody knew what we've been trying to say. We thank you, my sons. It was almost like we won the Oscar. Yeah. It's in the Crazy. To be acknowledged. And isn't that the play that, that almost uh, ended your life? Yes. Oh, no, that's later. That's later. That's later. That's in the 70s. That's the 80s became more rough, yo. The Boers were not smart and nice anymore. They were realizing that the international community was changing. People were beginning to support the struggle of black people in South Africa. Mm. The anti-apartheid movement, the disinvestment, the sports isolation, things were biting to the white sort of apartheid government and they wanted to obliterate any form of resistance within and outside the country. In the 85, there was what we called the, uh, the directive from Oar Tambo in Dar es Salaam and, and, and it says education, uh, liberation now, education later. Yeah. And we thought, this is dangerous, man. Mm. At that stage, my son did standard three. We're all great, whatever now, mm. it would be great. great three mm. times, three years in a row, they start great standard three towards June, July, September, boycott. Mm. No more. And mm. then they go back next year to do again the same standard. No more. Until we managed to get some information through so and so and bra H and bra X and bra Z, I don't even know those brothers now, <laughs> but I knew them underground, yeah. and that we got to clear this. Otherwise, this is what we call uh, a political suicide. Huh. Our kids cannot be without form of education. Otherwise, they're going to be part of a pool of unskilled labour for the apartheid government. So we had to negotiate with the comrades for kids to get back to school. Mm. That was my biggest mistake. 
Because sure. I was involved in the formation of the Port Elizabeth uh, PEPCO, Black Civic Organization. I was a founder member and I was also going all over the world. I mean, shooting a movie in Tanzania, shooting a movie in Kenya, shooting a movie in Zambia. And the brothers coming to visit you, you know. That was the most frightening thing, is to go to a country and the resident refugees of the MK or South African don't talk to you. Mm. It means that they're not sure about where you are. So when, when you get this message, you know, that uh, uh, I was filming in, in uh, Zambia and we told that there are people who want to talk to you. I said, well, yes. No, no, if you don't want to talk to them, we can tell them to go. I said, no, I don't know who they are. If you tell them to go, I could be more trouble at home. Mm. Mm. So I went around and there was Tabo Mbeki. Sure. Uh, who, um, Nzo, Alfred Nzo, and Togam Lonyi. We used to have the, the, the freedom, freedom Radio. Yeah, we used to listen to Things Go Better with ANC. Mm. Used to be Things Go Better with Coca-Cola. Mm. So we ch they changed it. Things Go Better with ANC. And they met me there. And I asked Tabo Mbeki, I was doing a movie called The Hit with John Thor and Karen Black, a Hollywood dinosaur. She's an incredible woman. Wow, and I said... Will you ever come back home? Will we ever win this struggle? Yes. He said, John, we will win. We will come back. We will govern. Wow. He spoke as if it's kind of like, in a couple of months, I'm going yeah. to be a free citizen. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was 1985. Hmm. We, suddenly, we finally voted in 1994 oh, yeah. on the 27th of April. And I reminded him when he was president. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> I said, do you remember I met you? And, and this is what you said to me. Mm. He was now president. Mm. And he honored me with the order of Ikamanga Silver. Yes, yes, For yes. my contribution mm. to the liberation of this country, country. through the work of arts. Before we, we, we carry on, why were you stabbed 11 times? What, what, what transpired? Well, it was 1982. Yes. 82. I've just come back from Zambia. Okay. And I had, you know, when you come back from overseas, the police will pick me up all the time, the security. Okay. And they would ask questions, you know, did you meet this? Did you do this? What did you do this? Sometimes we'd be even arrested for an article, someone reviewing the play. Mm. And that person says that this is the most potent political statement to come out of the apartheid regime of South Africa. I didn't write that. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a critic that wrote that, and I would be questioned. And, and Tabombegi said to me, I know when you go home you're going to be detained. Okay. If you say you did not see us, they know you did. Mm. If you say you never met us in mm. exile, it's not true, John. Mm. They know you did. So you have to, one truth, <laughs> that piece of truth, mm. yes, I met them. Mm. Now, when we talk, we're not going to tell you about the operations of Umkonto with Caesar, where are we bombing, where, where are we crossing, sure. who are we going to do this? Yeah. So even I don't know that, John. That's another operation under MK. So you have nothing to hide having met us. Right, so when you come back, then the, the, the security police already know. Mm. So I said, oh, yeah, so you come from Zambia? <laughs> Who did you meet there? <laughs> I said, Tabo Mbeki, Alfred Nzo, oh. uh, Tozamile Bota, and I could see Ruben Marx stunned by this truth that he did not expect. 
because he wanted me to deny so that he could then further interrogate. Mm. So to put it out there, and what, what do they say? They say, no, no, they'll come back one day when the country is free for everybody, <sighs> black and white. <sighs> so I get a call from Percy Koboza. He was to be the editor of the world. He used to love his whiskey. He says to me, John, this coming June on the 16th, was a Thursday, can you disappear Monday and just stay underground? I said, why? He says, my nephew, who was recruited in Bruderstrom outside Johannesburg towards Rustenburg, they've been trained there and they've got a list of people to assassinate on this date. So I said to him, because he said my name was there, I said, you got to give me the other names. Otherwise, I'm going to be in my house, and if they kill me, it will be your fault. Yeah. Mm. So this young man had to give Percy Koboza a few names. That was Dr. Motlana, Winnie Mandela, Bishop Tutu, John Carney, Stanley Khan. My God, I made the list. <laughs> You're talking about where it's dangerous. I am saying I made the list. What you talking about? I made the list of the most dangerous people that need to be eliminated. Yes. And of course, I stayed. I went to my brother, my, my cousin brother, who yes. lives in Canton on Sea outside uh, near Grahamstown. I stayed there for a week, and everything was fine. So it's gone. Yeah. And you told the others as well. To oh, hide. of course. I, we, 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 everybody was on that list. So you saved Winnie Mandela's life? No, everybody. They, they, no, Percy told everybody. Okay. Yeah, Percy said, because his nephew said, he said, I'm not going. If they kill me, it's your fault. Yeah. You'll tell me who else. He said, well, I can tell you all the names that I, I have. I don't know oh. the others. Mm. So I was on that list. Wow. So I said, okay. Then later, a month later, so sure. I'm on my way to see my dad with my wife. And suddenly, you know, I used to drive a car and there are lights behind you or there's a car following you. You make a left turn. It makes a left turn. You make a right turn. makes a right turn. And then you drive straight to a police station. <laughs> or go to a place where there are lots of people. Mm. Uh, just stop there amongst the brothers. And, you know, and then that car goes. Mm. But sometimes it was going where you were going. It was not necessarily following you. Mm. But you couldn't take a chance. Mm. And for once, just early evening, 7 to 8, there's a car behind me. And I didn't think about it. I mean, I got careless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't think about it. So we're going to a T-junction. Yeah. So I'm the one who's supposed to stop, and the car on front is going to go past like it's turning this way. <clears throat> Sorry, and then I would turn right, right. But that car came in front, rammed me in front. <laughs> and the car at the back rammed me at the back. <laughs> and I thought, my wife, get out. Get out now. Get out, get out, just get out. And then... I think it was about 15 to 20 seconds. And the only thing I heard was Ganjana is do it. <sighs> and, and what does that mean, translation? Of course, let's go, he's dead. Oof. 11 stab wounds and I'm just <clears throat> lying there. And then when they left, my wife came back. You know, there was a night watchman next to a hospital that was being built that helped her to pull me into the car, took me not to the hospital where for black or mm. for Bantus, mm. took me to the hospital for colors in Corston. And then we got there and the nurses were like, wow, 
do you know who this is? This is John Khan. He's a star. Oh, my God. Move him here. And there's a young white doctor who was in charge of the trauma center that, that evening. He says, what's the commotion? He says, this guy's famous. He said, oh, no, I don't want the media here. Mm. I don't want no media here. Mm, mm. And disappeared. So my wife said, go back to tell my parents what had happened. And they all came and they're looking for me. They can't find me. They're looking. They can't find me. During her absence... Apparently, the security forces or the people who wanted to kill me went back to the spot and found that I wasn't lying there. Yes. And started to search for me <sighs> from neighboring hospitals. And then when mm. they arrived at this Livingstone Hospital, they went over through the five floors and you couldn't find me. Yes. And they left. That white doctor avoiding media hid me in the award for infectious diseases. Oh, wow. ah. So they wouldn't walk in there because yeah. they don't know what they're going to get there. It was going to be politics and the truth that was going to be infectious. Ooh. So I made it. Here am I. And we're having fun. Have you it's, spoken to that uh, white doctor since? I don't know who he is and nobody remembers him. Wow. I searched for this young man and said, when was date was it? Because when I finished the, the, uh, after 12 days in, in ICU, I got out with pressure bandage and on my eye and at my back, I was supposed to do a movie. Huh. So I got in the plane. I went to do the movie. We rewrote the script. Wow. That during an accident with, I'm driving a tractor, I fell on a donga. And that's where the stitches and uh, that's crazy to, 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 to integrate yes, in the yes, character yes, yes. that's what I did what's the, the name of the movie the, the grass is singing wow yeah that incident is that where you lost your eye yes jeez yes oh I'm trying to digest all of that in oh man. let's oh. look I don't I, I, for me those were the hoops and the jumps and the obstacles that yeah. I faced in my life they don't define who I am 100% yeah. and I don't want them to be like oh Yes, oh yes, my yes, God. Yes, yes. Oh, no. I moved on. I've done more damage than that to other people. And I ain't talking. I'm not snitching. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So having fought for the arts in SA, right, with the apartheid system and everything, what do you think of the current landscape of South African arts right now as it stands? As being one of the four founders. Artists of the 60s and the 70s and the 80s were driven by a double passion excellence in the arts and also to contribute towards the giving black people a better life. We were literary and, 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 and enlisted within the struggle of liberation. People like Miriam Makeba, Huma Sekela, mm, Jonas mm. Kwangwa, and all those people who were Letambule, Kaifa Semenya, mm. and we were all part of that movement. Zakes Mukai, Joe Gomede, the Manhattan brothers, you know, who couldn't come back. Some of the guys who went with Ipintombi and stayed, and we became part of the international struggle against apartheid. So whatever we did as artists, there was that drive. There was an added passion, an added meaning. 1994, we're now part of something called democracy. Yeah. And I'm trying to write a play, but I'm trying to understand what happened. I fought for liberation. Sure. I fought for freedom. I fought for the land. And I ended up with democracy. Mm. Can someone explain to me what the hell is democracy? Because it ain't giving me back my land. Mm. It's not giving me back what I'm owed. It's not, I mean, it's, it's not healing my anger and my scars. Mm. Of course, we did have the TRC, Truth and Reconciliation, which was organized by the leaders. 
And uh, I, I use the word elder because I demand respect. 100%. Those were the elders and they demanded respect from us. We couldn't question them, why not trials? Why not charge the people for the apartheid and the evil and the murders they did? Why do we go for reconciliation? I forgive you and that's it. And But we couldn't voice those feelings because they were elders. And you have to respect. We have to respect. Mm. Now, after 94, <clears throat> when I wrote Nothing But The Truth, which is the play that was questioning forgiveness, And I was saying, I want to know who shot my brother. In the play is my son, but it was my brother Mm, who was shot in 1985. But in nothing but the truth, I'm making my brother. I said, no, no, no. But there's truth and reconciliation. I said, that's not the point. I want him arrested. I want him tried. I want him found guilty. And I want him to be sentenced for one day in prison. And when he's in prison for one day, I want him to ask me to forgive him. I will. That's it. But that did not happen. Mm. Right. Mm. So then that's where my art went. So I found another avenue instead of being protest. Sure. You know. So when you look at today's landscape, what is the passion? What drives? Is it excellence, pursuit of excellence? Is it the green pack? Is it making money? Is it fame? Is it celebrity and being known? What, what is it that drives the today generation in the creative industries? Ooh, is, yeah. I, I, I just want to... I'm not saying under apartheid we were fortunate because it's terrible, I mean, to try and find something good <laughs> out of apartheid. Yeah. It's terrible. But you had a cause. Yeah, yeah. that was a cause. Was a cause. <laughs> we had comrades, you know. I don't say that, yeah. but I do see the sparkle of credible diamonds among the youth today. Name them, please. Oh, my Lord, you can go to Selo Makekanyube, Vusikunene, Dikzebahodi. You can go to the youngs of Sabichelele and Tati Mushesh. And there's so many of them that are in the creative industry and they're writing on Neo Mutsuanyang as one of the leading directors within the television series. And there are many of them that are making it. And they, they, they are going through the difficulties of uh, a non industrialized profession. Profession. Sure. Now, the arts are not like a job. People still think we're doing it because it's entertainment. You know, in 1975, I win a Tony Award on Broadway, and um, William Morris Agency calls me in, and he says, now you're a Tony Award winner. This is a passport to work anywhere in the world Ooh. without applying for permits or anything. Yeah. Now you have been on the level of star. You will never be below the title in anything you do, and your name will always be starring John Carney. Now, we want you to know that. You're not listening to me. (laughs) My agent said, I want you to know that. Mm. You're a brand. You're a money-making commodity. So be part of the finance discussion. No more now. Are you excited because I got a part? Now we're talking about... Yes, 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 yes. How much are we talking about? It's not, I've got an idea, man. This movie I'm, I'm working on, guys. Yeah. No, no, I'm not listening. Mm. I'm waiting mm. until you say how much <laughs> for me. Unless it's Zeiss. Yeah. Yeah. 
I want to know how much we're talking about. So then I can get my interest in your project. Mm. So then you, you, you come to South Africa now. I mean, I'm not going to talk about COVID-19 because sure. we were struggling pre-2000. Yeah. The mm. arts were in a very dire situation. Yeah. If you're not working in some kind of soapy series or theaters it are was, struggling yeah. and we're working in community theater. And some of the questions a young man asked me, and it sort of took me time to, to be to settle with myself. He says, Tata, I've been doing community theater, going to small little festivals, performing in halls for 10 years. <sighs> when do I become John Gunn? Eesh. Where do I graduate? Mm. Now, if you were doing this work in England, in America, mm. you would be now a star because you would have moved from the, 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 what called the, the region theater, okay. which leads to the West End. The region in the states, Washington, D.C., L.A., and all that, which leads to Broadway. If you're in the film industry or television, you do little projects in Washington and all around, but it leads you to Hollywood. Hollywood. Mm. So there's, there's a destination to go to. In this country, you can do it just. Yeah. With no end in view. Mm. There's nothing that you, you say, okay. If there's I, no destination. If, no destination. If I'm good in this. If I'm good in this, I'm going to make it. Mm. I'm going to make it like the people who've made it. So even us, if I wasn't working mostly overseas, of course, it would be maybe (laughs) that would be me. How how do you crack the the, the international market? Actually, I wrote down a question. I don't want to say it incorrectly. Because last year you were honored with the Pregnelli Shakespeare Award, right? Yes. Uh, for your play, Kunen and the King. Yes. So how were you able to excel in the international theater and film industry, which is still white dominated as a black South African? Yeah. I'm John Kearney. Hey! What's your problem? Oh, simple. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Tony Award recipient. <laughs> What's your problem? Yeah. So much for writing down to the question. <laughs> simple answer. How the, like, what, what, what are some some of the challenges you faced when you were the first black South African to play Othello? Were there any challenges there? Look, of course, South Africans, and sometimes even certain countries abroad, always play this role with a white actor with a lot of makeup, Yeah, you know? Mm. And because it's the most powerful role in Shakespeare mm. and King Lear, of course, and all Macbeth and the other roles. And so we then, a friend of mine, Janet Sussman, yeah. who uh, is um, a dame now, She's a South African who left long ago, lives in England, had an idea that let's do uh, Othello. I said, Janet, I'm sorry, I have a problem with Othello because I've just done Miss Julie. Oh, yes, yes. With Sandra Prinslow, mm. where I was detained for kissing a white actor on stage. Yeah, and they left the... And they, they left there, and they, I was detained. Whoa. And I told the cops, it says, you, you kissed this woman on stage for a long time, and we could see the tongue moving inside the mouth. <laughs> and I'm saying, no, it was her tongue. No, she kissed me. Yeah. nonsense, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I knew Othello was going to be a problem, mm. you know. But again, there was that little naughty... There's a kid in me that still want to be in the struggle. Yeah. And I'm not leave, pushing him too far away. That curious kid that wants to take it to the edge, that wants to move it to the 
like the envelope mm. and say what can happen. I, I hate safety. I, I, I don't like being comfortable. Yo. When, whenever I get to that space, there's something I'm missing. Mm. You know, something, if, if I'm thinking, like I'm not thinking about my wife's going to dump me, it means that I'm going to be nervous. I go to, well, hello, darling, are you fine? <laughs> <laughs> you got to be aware to that. And I woke yeah. Yeah. to what's happening around you. Yeah. So we did this play, and uh, on my way to the theater one day, I got detained. Oh, God. I didn't mind being detained. I just hate the quietness of a stupid cell mm. and me trying to work out that they're going to kill me or not, not, or when will I be released. I mean, you torture yourself with these questions mm. when you're in detention. You're trying to think, what did I do? I met those young people we did at Menji. They must have snitched on me. They were responsible for my arrest. Mm. You know, you do all those things. So the question was, again, I had to kiss this lady on stage. Mm. Uh, it was played by Joanna Weinberg, who's now emigrated to Australia. Mm. Beautiful actress, you know. And we, we would do this love. Mm. And what was now why we've seen the productions there's no kissing and smooching and holding a titties like that mm. and I said you see sir the greatest actor in the English actor is Lord Olivia Lawrence Olivia when she played this role with Maggie Smith there was a problem um, he had to put black makeup on his face because he has to play the black man mm. and on his hands. So Lord Olivia had a problem. Each time he touched the white actress, there was a smudge of the black makeup okay. on the cheek and on the costumes. Mm. So they avoided the sensuality of their relationship. Oh, yes, yes. They couldn't be fondling and kissing mm. because they're going to leave these marks. I don't have that problem, sir. <laughs> Drops mics. <laughs> So I didn't have that problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It doesn't move off. Yeah. It stays here where I want it. <laughs> so before you were John Carney, did you have any complications, any struggles trying to crack the international market? Like what were some of the struggles you went through? Look, as I said again in 1973, when we first hit the international stage yeah. with Winston Jonah, we were performing there this play, The Island, and this guy walks in in a cowboy hat. He says, my name is, e is Ewan. I'm doing this movie, and I'm having Richard Button, Roger Moore, I have Richard Harris, I have Adi Kruger. I'd like you two to be in my movie. I said, oh my God, here we go again. I'm going to make you a star. Mm, Who the mm. hell is this tweet? <laughs> People tell you so much in this industry that they're going to do this, yeah. and these things don't actually happen. happen yeah? mm. You find yourself telling your friends, now, now we're working on a project, we're yeah. going to Paris, yeah. and you don't leave, and their friends think, hey, you're still around. Yeah. So... We forget about this. Yes, yes. Yeah. And one day I get a call in New Brighton, Port Elizabeth. This guy wants to talk to me. He's at the airport. He's got two tickets for me and Winston to fly to London for the casting and the costumes and all. And he's got another. We go to shoot this movie. And then we did this international blockbuster. Hmm. Roger Moore was, was um, um, Roger 007. Moore. Yeah. 007 at wow, that time. So Hardy crazy. Cooper, Richard, this Richard Harris is incredible. Uh, Joan Amatrading does mm. the soundtrack and all that. That then exploded me and Winston on the international movie stage because mm. the roles were pivotal and they were part of the creating and the narrative. Mm. Sometimes you get a role in a movie that is so easily forgettable. Yes, yes. Because yes. you came in and dropped something and you left. Yes. Mm -hmm. So when I make a choice in a movie, I want to know how does it turn, change, 
input contribute to the storyline. Oh. Wow. So even if I did not do a, 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 lot, a, a lot visually, mm. okay, I'll give you a good example. You remember me in the Black Panther? Yeah. Yes. We're about to get to that next. Right on. What yeah. did I do in the Black Panther? Did I fight? No, no, no. Yeah, because I'm smart, you see. <laughs> you see? But my role was critical. Monumental. Critical so that Chadwick Boseman could be accepted as the new generation because I was the original Black Panther. Okay. And I also... Passing uh, the bait. Passing the bait. Number two, I introduced Isikosa. Yes. as the indigenous language of Wakanda mm. because yeah. I was not prepared to do Tarzan language mm. where in many movies you hear see black people and this guy is from Wisconsin he's from Texas he's black and he's saying come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. <laughs> and subtitles how are you said, it can't be that long <laughs> so I said I'm not going to do this there's a language I can speak so Marvel agreed how does that conversation even happen? Yeah. Because I don't care if I walk off set. I got money already before I walked on set. Mm. Mm. You're not working for the inspiration. Oh, no, sir. Oh, no, sir. I ain't going down poor. I'll mm. be stinking in that coffee because I'm rich. No, guys, please understand this is a prayer and a thanks to the ancestors and God and mm. Jesus acknowledging mm. the gifts and the things they made in my life happen. Mm. Wow. I cannot deny them mm. by continuing to say, Kunzim. Hey. No, yes. let other people please say Please elaborate that because we do that so much as mm -hmm. black people. No, Even if you're doing it, it's like, ah, yes, I'm a boy. Because no. I'm <laughs> That's generally why we do it. We say, we're struggling. Now, you've got to set the rules yeah. of when you can help. You've got to set the rules. And say to your family or to your friends, look, if I keep giving you, I'm going to join you in your poverty. Ooh. I'm only able to survive because I'm making it and I'm going to help you when it is necessary. Mm. The point I'm making... Yes. Right, was said by a friend of mine. <laughs> and I said, we were talking, I went to visit Port Elizabeth, and I said, Hey, Kunja, I'm a brother. I said, I'm fine. Kunja, I'm a brother. I'm going to see my life. But no, Tata, no, Tata. Utikuzo, Tata, Lenda, Segunikile, Ukwazu, Kutukunzima, truthfully. Ooh. Acknowledge the gifts from the ancestors and acknowledge the assistance you get from your community who see your work, who wish you well. Wow. Acknowledge that and accept it and be blessed with it. And then encourage other people to work harder to make it and like you've done. So if you keep saying, hey, no, things are hustling. Well, no, 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 I'm not hustling. I'm working. Yeah. Yo, man, I needed to hear that, bro. Yeah, bro. Sure. Also, you, you do never, never not recognize the success you've achieved. Because nobody else is recognizing it except you. <laughs> mm -hmm. They ain't telling you you're making it. So tell them I am making it. Did you ever suffer from imposter syndrome? No. What is that? No, you, you. It begins with me. It begins with what I see in me. It begins why I, how I am happy with who I am now, where I am now. Yeah. Am I where I thought I would be at 79? I'm in the center of my universe. This is exactly where I saw it in 1965. This is where I will be. Mm. 
You can't go on a journey when you don't know where you're going. Mm. You don't get in the taxi and say drive. Mm. <laughs> you say West Street. Yes. And as you approach West Street, you get off. After robots. At the robots, mm. short left. Mm. You see, people have a tendency of just saying, I am and Jane My My son Atando does his first job. I think he was paid about 30, 40,000. Sure. And I'm saying, wow, how much do they pay you? Yeah. You have 30, 40,000. says, so how much do you have? He said, I just told him, no, no, I want to know how much do you have. He says, 40,000. I says, when is your next job? He says, I don't know. says, that's exactly how much you have. You don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because this money you get now has got to last until the next job. Mm. When you don't know the next job, so the money must last until I don't know. Mm. <laughs> you, 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 you get me? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. if I do know that after, like, I'm doing this one, I'm finished with it, I'm going to direct some students in a production, and I'm also tell going... Them, tell them this one, the movie you're talking about. Oh, she, no, I'm not... He's just, just going to go chill with uh, Adam Sandler. And Jennifer Aniston? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, in Paris. Here in a biggie. Wow. No, we've, we've been, we started in January. Oh. Uh, end of December, I was in Hawaii. We shot in Hawaii. Then we shot in London. Then we shot in Paris. I came back from Paris to do this play. Yeah. Here. We couldn't and this the interview, King, yes. Uh, at, for this one, yes. Mm. And uh, there's a scene I didn't do because one of the actors was still in New Zealand. Mm. So at, on, on Sunday, I leave quickly to go to Paris. We shoot the scene, and I'll be back here Wednesday morning yeah. with Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sender and Mark Strong. And uh, that's the job. Now, there's another project I'm working with with Disney. Cannot declare because of yeah, confidentiality yeah, clause. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's another project I'm doing later and until the end of 2022. Yeah. And I did something 22, 20 February. And then from uh, spring, which is uh, March, April, uh, in America, I'll work till sometime into 2024. Wow. Whoa. So if I'm looking for work, we're looking at 2025. Do you have anybody knows who needs John Kane at that time? <laughs> Are you going to shoot anything with Tom Cruise? Please invite us when you do. Yes, please. We've got a story to tell him, man. Yes. Please. Look, guy, um, they're different genres. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 as I told you, look, I'll be 80 next year. I can't be jumping out of <laughs> I can't be jumping out of Abu Dhabi buildings, you know, Dubai buildings. You know, he does his own thing. I do my own thing. Let's talk uh, about international productions versus local productions. What can we improve? We need a strong gatekeeping. With all, as a member of Screen Actors Guild in American Hollywood, I still, you want to go with me, we, you will have to have petitions and proof of the role you are going to play could not be played by anybody who is a member of the union in America or England. Okay. You will have your CV must substantiate your achievements and your, 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 your box office mover mm. in order to get that role. So you ain't getting it, I'm getting it. You say I'm getting it? Mm. So when you go there then there is always that. So then here's the problem. When then these companies come to do movies in South Africa, okay. we're talking international, right? Okay. They work with South African line producers yes. who would say we will look after the production here yes, yes. on the things that happen here. Yes. Now 
you get an extra, for instance, in England or America, and the guy will be about three to five hundred dollars a day yeah. is an extra. Yeah. Now multiply that by ten, we're talking about five thousand, but by another half, seven thousand five hundred a day. Yeah. And then here you're an extra for six hundred rand. <laughs> because you now fall under the South African production wage controls oh. so that you don't mess us up because we have a budget to, to work this thing here. So when we did uh, with Michael Douglas and Val Kilmer, The Ghost and the Darkness, we worked in Pumalanga, in near Badbas, right? And Michael was quite shocked to find out how much the extras are getting. But he said, that's not what we budgeted for them. Mm. Oh. We budgeted in US dollars for these people. Yes, uh, yes. So what they're getting is not what we budgeted for them. And I said, we'll talk to the line producer. And he went in and he came back and he said, I understand. Oh, that's the worst thing you can say. Mm. I understand. It means they got you there. <laughs> they rocked you. They got you there. <laughs> so these are sometimes the challenges of international productions. If we had a strong union yes. registered, I can't work in England until I'm a member of the union. I cannot become a member of the union until I'm in a production, catch 22. Unless I have a CV that warrants the union to acknowledge that when I'm in a project, I create work around me. Me being in the movie, Denzel being in the movie, Tom Cruise being in that movie, there's hundreds of yes. people who get employed. Yes. So he's an industry maker mm. within the profession. Mm. Mm. So Tom Cruise can work anywhere. Mm. Mm. And, and that's the difference, right? Mm. So when then South Africans come and work here, we are in support at sort of minor, non-meaningful roles. We fill up the journey of this this wonderful star coming to work in Africa because the setting is good for Africa because we also the cheap labor. Yes. There's also cheap technicians and most experienced technicians. I mean, they're called the Rookies Union. They're incredible. They're all over the world. I was in Belgrade doing a movie called um, Coriolanus in, in Serbia and a white young boy with part of the lights comes over to me and he says, Uh, are you right, Brad John? I said, you come from South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> no one in Serbia is going to call me Brad John. No great Brad John. <laughs> no. No. He says, yeah, yeah, I left South Africa about five, eight years ago because yeah. um, I had them I mean, permit and I worked in England. Yeah. So I'm now working the tech side. So uh, uh, that's why I joined this cast, this crew. Yeah. You see, so South Africans are very experienced and very passionate about the work. I mean, people used to say in, in England and America, why do South Africans always want to do something serious and they're passionate about it? You know, I said, because that's who we are. Mm. And the overseas love that, mm. you know. Love that. I mean, when you see like black coffee, I mean, doing Yo. this shit there, man. Hey, and the man. Christ, they can see him. Hey, they can man. see him. It's what he oozes. Because mm. he knows that I mess up. I'm not messing up for myself. I'm messing up for a generation coming, coming behind. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That door of opportunity that opens, brute, step in. And please don't close it behind you. Mm. Yeah. Because there's someone waiting to come in. Yeah. I said, Kevin Pace Spacey said something so beautiful. When you take the elevator to the top floor of success, as you step out, please press G. Mm. So it goes back down. Down. 
so that at least there's someone who's going to get the lift behind you. Yeah. But what we do, bro, we just get out of the elevator and move on. Mm. Yeah, and they say they break the elevator so it doesn't work no more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> up all the buttons. <laughs> <laughs> What's it like rubbing shoulders with like Hollywood A-listers? I mean, I can't even mention names because you've met everybody. Are they who... Like, are they just like normal people or they're like, because I, if I see Tom Cruise right now, I'm losing my mind. Just Not like me, I did with you, man. you know? Somebody said, the number ones are human. The problem are the wannabes who still have just tasted fame in their last project. Yes. And want to show that I'm in it now. But those that have been there mm. are normal. Yes. It also depends on who you are. If I step on set of Captain America, yes. Civil War, the mm. director and the producer comes down and says, ladies and gentlemen, we're honored to have this great Whoa. South African actor, Dr. John Khan. This is the director, that's lighting, that's theater. If you're not me, you just go straight to your trailer and get ready for the next scene. <laughs> <laughs> Like that. <laughs> right, let's talk so about when you then arrive with the Black Panther scene, Ryan Coogler's waiting for you. Mm. So I mean, uh, what you call Chadwick is saying hello, Baba, Eesh. and everybody's there. So you, you, the structure of Hollywood is military. If you're not a general, you're not on that table. Mm. If you're a foot soldier, you're in the tent. I can't help you. I'm in the top. <laughs> So I ain't gonna invite you to come to the general table. I ain't messing up the routine. <laughs> so is so, that how you treated even Atandwa on set there? He knows exactly where he is. <laughs> know your place. <laughs> but I do say that's my son yes. come yes. sit next to them. Uh, yes. I will do that because Van Furen and the Waters and the Declecs have done it so much for people we think they should know. Mandela once said, why when another schoolman gets a post in government, you do not complain because the Minister of Transport is schoolman. Mm. Mm. And yet when another Gumed uh, uh, mm gets a job in government. You want to link this Gumede to another Gumede who is in KZN. Mm. These two people don't even know each other. It's another Smith and another Smith. Yeah. So I, my son knows I will not do it for you, but I'll, I'll open the door mm. for you. Mm. You'll step in and you're on your own. And he has been on his own and is making it on his own. He's just opened now in New York a wow. play called some, Somebody Called Richie. I was going to see it, but I'm in this sure, play now. Sure. And his play has been the New York's Critics' Choice wow. already. So he's, proud? He's, but remember, I've got four sons and three daughters. Yeah. I'm proud of my son who works for the government at Makura's office. I'm also proud of my son, who's a marketing strategist. I'm proud of my other son, mm. who is also uh, in animation. I'm sure. proud of my daughters. Yeah. My eldest daughter is 57 years old. So Atanda gets exactly the teaspoon he deserves mm. in my pride of him. Mm. is mm. not special because he works in sure. this industry. Mm, mm. And that's how I treat this industry. I'm like a man working at Checkers packing. Mm. Mm. There's no difference between the two of us. Mm. It's work. But you're in the manager's office, not in the aisle. No, I'm not even in the boardroom. <laughs> <laughs> we are where we decide how we use the money. 
Let's talk about Chadwick Boseman. Um, when you heard about his passing? It was about 2 a.m. I got yeah. a call from Atandwa saying, here's Lupita Nanyongo and Danai. They're crying. And they want to tell you, so I said, what's it, my babies? Tata, Chadwick had just passed away. And he did say, if anything happens to him, let Baba know. Sure. Now I get thousands of condolences mm. for your son. I first I started explaining, now my sons all are alive. Mm. Even Atandwa is yes, alive. Yes, yes, We're yes. talking about my son in the storyline yes. of the Black Panther. Mm. And they still send more deeper mm. sympathies. I said, shut up. Thank you. Because <laughs> I couldn't explain to people that he's not my son Biologically, his son in the story. What's the last conversation you had with him? Just before uh, I was in New York, he he did that interview and he had lost weight. You know, and I said, Are you fine? He says, No, Dad, I'm fine, Baba. I'm just working on something. He was about to do 21 bridges. Yes, yes. 21 bridges, yeah. And I assumed that he's in preparation for For the the role. You know, we, we do that as actors. Sometimes I'm told that this character, you know, is, is a bit fat. Mm. So you gain that weight. Mm, mm. And then suddenly, oh my God, it's so easy to gain it. <laughs> now you got to lose it. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. Then you got to do walk around the block, run. I <laughs> hate jogging. And because I don't know why I'm going down to Park Station and back. Yeah. I'm here already. <laughs> my wife always wants to kill me love it let's take a drive I says where are we going she says it's a drive John I says that's my problem <laughs> we're gonna drive for a 30 minutes that way only to end up where I am already <laughs> it's stupid that's why I hate jogging mm. to run all the way down to Newtown and then come back to where I am already and comfortable now you go I'll wait for you here yeah. good that was the last question your time is now up alright cool you can give you another question if you want to yeah let's talk about the play the play the play Kunene and the King what can you expect 2018 I'm doing The Tempest with Sir Anthony Sher in Stratford, in the home of Shakespeare Wedding, the Royal Shakespeare Company. And I say to him, I've got an idea. I want to write something, but I want you to to be in it. Mm. I come home and I'm thinking, 2019, 25 years, we're celebrating democracy. 25 years, this country did not collapse. It didn't end up in civil war. The parliament didn't become a hung parliament. We didn't become a a, a banana republic. We made it. Mm. But then I do my research. I ask, brother, what are you celebrating? Well, he says, look, we're a free country, opportunities, challenges. Yes, we have got corruption. Yes, we've got greed. Yes, we've got crime. Yes, we've got things. But on the overall, I'm part of the ruling class of the world citizenship. Hmm. I ask a white person, I know very well, a friend of mine, he gives me a grocery list of how this country doesn't work. Mm. Their rent, the economy, their rape, their mm. the corruption, their leadership, the ANC, and doesn't mention the DA, the ANC and all this, and it becomes a mess. And it fascinated me that these two people live in the same country at the same time, mm. have different opinions of what's happening in their own country. I thought, yes, my play. 
Mm. Here's my play. So I wrote a play about an English great Shakespearean actor, South African, who is about to play King Lear. It's like the ultimate as an actor to be told, to be asked to play King Lear. It's the ultimate. And it can destroy your career because if you mess up King Lear, people will remember he's the actor that didn't do King Lear right. Yes. They will always remember your last failure. Yes, yes, yes. So I get wonderful. Then I create another guy who has been retired. He was a nurse at Charlotte McLeaker. He now is a, a caregiver. He looks after very rich white people who want to die, but in the company and the comfort of their homes. Mm. Right, so now I need to lock them in the same space. So the white dude has to get a helper because he's suffering from a terminal disease. Yeah. So he phones the nursing agency. The nursing agency says, we're sending Sister Kuhn. He'll look after you. And he knows that Sister Kuhn is going to live with him. Mm. The doorbell rings. I come in, he thinks I'm delivering a pizza. He says, get, get out, get out, get out, get out. I'm calling the police. I says, no, no, no. I'm the nurse you ordered from the nursing agency. Mm. He says, no, I'm waiting for Sister Kuhn. I said, no, not Sister Kuhn, Sister Kunen. Mm. That's me. <laughs> <laughs> so immediately, it starts with him suspecting I'm a criminal. Yes. I'm going to mm. kill him, I'm going to rob him. Mm. The first thing you see is this confrontation of white suspicion about black people. Wow. So we then have to move towards knowing each other. Mm. He needs me because he can't yes. live without me. Yes. And Ooh. I say to him, power. call yeah. the nursing agency if you prefer a whiteness. You know, then white people in this country don't want to say they're racist. Oh, no, I don't mind. <laughs> but my God, please, I wish you were white. I don't mind at all. Yes. And then I say, oh, by the way, where am I going to sleep? Mm. He says, oh, there's a room at the back. And I say, you mean the servants' quarters? He says, yes, if you don't mind. I say, oh, I, I mind. <laughs> I'm not your domestic servant. I'm not your gardener. I'm your nurse. Hmm. I have to live with you in the house. Wow. But one thing that brings them together is their love of Shakespeare. Oh. Lunga yeah. studied, all of us studied as Shakespeare. Yeah, 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 yeah. All yes. of us, Macbeth, yeah. Twelfth Night, mm. you know, we're always fed with this Shakespeare nonsense all the time. Mm. So Lunga loves Shakespeare, and Lunga also did Shakespeare while he was at school. So he then gets an interest in him, or oh, I can teach you about Shakespeare, because I'm an expert, and I teach him about humanity. So that's the, 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 the relationship. So in the end, I'm not going to spoil it. Yes. They find each other. Yeah. They find each other. But through ups and downs and fights, and I'm leaving, I'm going, sure. you know, and you white people, you black people, you know. That's the wonderful thing that sometimes I love about my fellow white South Africans. She says, the lady that looks after my children, she sees them, I says, okay, how long has she been doing this? No, she's been with us for 15 years and you still don't know her name. Whoa. So what do you mean? I said, you didn't say Doris mm. who looks after my children. He you says the lady. Okay, and I ask again, what is Doris's surname? I don't know. Where does Doris stay? Somewhere in Soweto. And she's been with your family 15 years and you know nothing. You trust her to look after your kids but you don't know where she stays. You don't know her surname. But you can tell me a guy you met at work this evening. 
that oh, there's a new boss, our new CEO, you know, so and so, you know, he started that, that, yet you couldn't tell me the guy who looks after your child. <laughs> Those are the issues mm. I, I, I deal with. The little cliches of you people, yes. black people, mm. in a conversation. Mm. You, those are the things that yes. I deal with. That's why. And then the critics gave us five stars. Brewer people celebrate for three stars. I'm talking <laughs> five. <laughs> There's nothing more than that. Wow. And then last year, the Royal Shakespeare Company, the patron is the queen, Elizabeth II. Yes. The honorary chair is Prince Charles. Hmm. The jewelries are made by Pregnell Jewelry Company. They presented me with the Pregnell Shakespeare Birthday Award, Whoa. number 21. First black, first non-English, first out of England. Wow. Yo. 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 When first they, out of England. When they Yo. sent this award, I got a call from OR Tambo Freight giving me the price I have to pay on the value Yay. of this golden thing. Mm. I said, excuse me, I'm not buying it. It's given to me as an award. <laughs> from the queen. And they say, well, we need a letter from the pregnant people that mm. says this is a gift. Otherwise, we're looking at fifteen to 25,000. So I asked them to send the letter and I receive it. And it's at home. And then uh, this year, no, last year. Yes. The Royal Shakespeare Company celebrates 60th anniversary. Mm. The critics tried to choose 10 top productions in 60 years. And Gunene and the King was in that 10. Wow. Wow. We're chilling with royalty here, Tom. Oh, Bro. yes, sir. I could have been, if it I was in England, I'd be Lord Khan. Hey, Lord Boy, Khan! <laughs> not even Sir John Khan. Yeah, Lord yeah. Khan. In closing, we always ask our guests this. What do you want to be remembered as when it's all said and done? A good father, a good husband, a good neighbor, someone who saw the pain of his people and reacted and did something about it. That's it. Perfect. So, you got a question? No, I'm good. Covered everything. Before you go, we need to, um, we've got an intro on the show. Yes. So, because we love your work, we love your voice, we're going to exploit you right now because you can't say no, the cameras are rolling. <laughs> we don't have buckets of cakes. <laughs> we're asking if you could do this, this uh, intro for us, if you don't mind. Just this intro, just read over it. Onto the mic there. Um, from? From Enda. Henda, okay, right, which one? Henda, you are now entering a space for black history, a voice for the voiceless. The Habinga on the line revolution. A marriage of chillers and platform that will last longer than it girls' marriage. Welcome to black excellence. Do not fear, for if you do, just sip on some grandeur. And if you still do, ask ourselves, what would Mapapunzi do? Pagama chila itlasha lefiki. even if when they ask you, how sabiin, do not fear. If you do, just say, anistivi. This is the medicine of censorship. This is the pill. Which one is that one? Podcast and chill. Ah!
Dr. John Carney. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, that was amazing, man. Really appreciate wow. it, man. We are here, podcast and chill. Podcast <laughs> and chill. Thank you so much. You got to close. Ah.